P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase. Oh, my goodness, what a crab. 34-yard touchdown throw. Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 176 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Harris. Welcome. Welcome, 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 Nathan Palmer. Welcome. Hello. How you doing, my son? A pleasure to be back on with you again after last week's uh, joyful episode. It was a joyful episode. Have you got over being an agony uncle? <laughs> I have actually. I quite enjoyed that. It's quite a nice Did little, you? like you know, yeah, yeah, it was all right. There you go. There might be a new career in in waiting for you. Uh, listeners, do write in with your moral dilemmas and your personal problems. Nathan is here to sort them out. Um, we are going to be taking a break after this podcast because it's summer, and of course the cricket season has started. So that's where you'll find me in front of a radio listening to the cricket during June. Um, and, of course, there's not that much going on. OTAs are still continuing. Mini camp's going to start, then it's training camp. So it is It is that period in the NFL season uh, that things are starting to wind down in terms of uh, news while the team is winding up slowly, cranking up slowly. We're winding down slowly. And uh, be nice to have a bit of a break, won't it, Nathan? Well, you got to get us. The key with us, son, is you got to get us nice and fresh and primed That's and right. rested and ready to go for the season. You don't want you and I tired, been working too hard. You know, that's not what that's not what the listeners want. They want us fresh as a daisy and yeah. juiced up, oiled, lubed up, just wow. ready to go. Oh, that's that's the part I'm most looking forward to, really, just lubing myself <laughs> up and slathering myself in. Do like you remember, a, do you like a beautiful that? watch. But like what? Like a beautiful what? watch, like nicely, <laughs> nicely loosened up, nice, nice timepiece, all the cogs going do round you, and round. Do you, do you lube up a watch? I don't think I've ever seen a lot of watch. You, you put a little up. bit in these fancy watches. You have a little bit of oil going around in the watch. That's what we need, didn't you? God, I, I don't know. I've never heard of that before. But I'm happy to go with it, Nathan. Whatever metaphor that you want to like use. A, you're like a Philippe, a, <laughs> a Patek Philippe, son, is what you're like. Oh, my goodness. I've never been called. I've been called lots of things, Nathan, but I've never been called a, a what? What's it called? A Patek Philippe? A What's that? Patek Philippe. It's like a fancy watch. Ah, posh watch. Posh watch. Good name for a band, that, Posh Watch, I think. Um, yeah, that's a good name, actually. Right, this is what's going to happen uh, in this podcast. Obviously, you know, we've started off as we mean to go on. We've been talking nonsense, and that's what you come to expect from us, and that's what I hope we deliver every single week. But we do have a special guest, and uh, he is the award-winning uh, Cincinnati Inquirer columnist, uh, Paul Doherty, I know he divides opinion, but that's kind of his job, really. But for 30 years, he's been doing that. And I've always wanted him on the podcast. Uh, and then I read the other day that he is retiring after 30 years. So I thought, well, better get him quick then, because time is running out. And Paul was good enough to spend a bit of time with me the other day. So that interview is coming up. And it's really interesting, because Paul's been there for 30 years. So he's been... 
there for the ups and the downs, the good, the bad and the ugly. And he's not afraid to criticise the organisation where he sees fit. He's not afraid to, to praise it where he sees fit. So it's a really interesting conversation about his 30 years at the Cincinnati Enquirer. How the recent Super Bowl run compared to the one back in the late 80s. Uh, we talk about the 90s. What happened in the 1990s? It's something that I grapple with almost on a daily basis, Nathan. And um, there's also uh, the question of what he's going to do next. What players f- did he fall out with because of his strident views? All that is to come. Really, really interesting. Um So do stay tuned for that. We've got some big announcements coming up in this podcast. Uh, Obviously, um, lots of excitement because of last year and last season. I keep saying last year, but of course, it was early this year, but certainly last season. And uh, I think we all loved having meetups, sharing those magical moments with fellow Bengals fans. And we really want to kind of ride the crest of that wave of of enthusiasm so we we are putting together some meetups and we can tell you about one today and our plans going forward uh but until then nathan what should we talk about because there's not much to talk about in terms of the team is there well i mean yeah the the interesting thing is though we say that but it is june now it's sort of just creeping towards the middle of june so I, I mean, the crazy thing is, in what two months you're going to be yeah. seeing some preseason football. So that that's going to come around quite quickly. Training camps probably just before that. So whilst we've got a nice little break after this for a couple of weeks, it is going to come up quicker than you think. So it's starting to get into that territory where we can start forecasting what what do we think is going to happen, what 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 worries us, what what's our ambitions. You know, so I think we just have a little bit of a. It's like kicking the ball around at the park, you know. There's no exactly. real aim, but let's just kick it around, see see what we think, Sam. All right, I'm going to kick the ball to you. Lovely little weighted pass, 20-yard pass, lovely control by you. The yes. chest and then the knee and then, oh, look at that. That's, that's silky. Um, so, I mean, we are, you know, heading into camp. The, the, the guys are back on the field Um where are we as a roster, Nathan? Where are we going? And, you know, how can we replicate uh, last year's success? See, I've done it again. Last season's success, do you think? I think we've got to have... I think people have got to get better because mm. we didn't win the Super Bowl last year. And I think the league is only going to be stronger this year, especially in the AFC. So I think we've got to play better people like joe boy as good as he was last year he's got to really be right in the mix for the mvp playing at an outstanding level um and you do forget with the team last year he barely had a pre-season joe boy he, though he didn't have a pre-season did he, he just mm-hmm. came straight in everyone was saying in training camp the offense was all over the place and he came in and played pretty well so this year he's going to have a proper training camp proper pre-season he's going to get some reps he, he's a year older he's a lot more wiser you'd hope that he can play at a higher level and I think a lot of people are going to have to play at a higher level. And people like Jamar Chase is going into his next year. You want to see a step from him, even though he was fantastic last year. You, you'd like to think that he could have an even better season with a year's experience under his belt and a, a proper training camp. So, 
because you've got to offset the fact that, that there just probably is going to be more injuries this year. And that's the thing for me. You know, we got we got absolutely so fortunate last year that I think this year there are going to be players that go down. We might not have Jesse Bates like we talked about last week. So I think we've really got to up our game across the board, really, because, you know, we were talking about this the other day, son, that the AFC is, is ferocious, isn't it? Mm. I mean, that that's the thing that worries me the most, that is kind of out of our control. When, even in the division, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. We could, You know, it's probably not worth talking about with all those additional allegations coming out in the last sort of 48 hours. But, um, yeah, it, you, you've got to, you, before you can even think about getting back to where we were last year, you've got to get through the division and you've got to get through those feisty looking teams in the AFC and it's going to be a tough one I think yeah it will be but I'm, do you know what weirdly I'm not too worried about it I, I you know you know the charges have loaded up Broncos have got Russell Wilson you know have the Ravens improved I'm not sure have the Browns improved like you said who knows what's going to happen with I, I have my own views about Deshaun Watson as a person and the Browns as an organisation for taking a chance on a person like Deshaun Watson. But, well, you can probably guess what they are from my tone of voice. But uh, will they improve? I don't think the Steelers will improve. I'm not... I, I do, it sounds like a cliche, but we do have to concentrate on ourselves because I wonder whether people will be looking at us. And I know quite a few... You know, outlets, as as you would expect with the US national media, kind of say, well, the Bengals are the least likely team to make it back to the playoffs this year. And you kind of expect that. And it's, you know, it's a narrative that is, uh, you know, sustained and throughout the years, really. Um, so I think that's that, that'll be a nice little chip on their shoulder going into, into camp and pre-season. It's like, well, a lot of people are expecting us to fail, they're expecting this to be one season wonders. I think genuinely, and I know the Bengals have been, te- we talk about this with Paul Doherty a little bit later on. You know, the Bengals have been generally really bad once they've had a good run, whether it be a Super yeah, Bowl that, run that, or, a a, or or the Marvin Lewis years. It was difficult to sustain for the Bengals, you know, for, for whatever reason. But I've got, I don't know, it just feels different this time. And obviously time will tell, the proof of the pudding and all that kind of stuff. But they just feel like an outfit that is much more geared to success. It, it's not as if we hadn't, haven't added to the team in this off-season. I'm, I'm excited yeah, to see uh, Lael Collins. I'm excited to see Kappa and, 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 and uh, um, Karras. Ted Karras at centre. I'm, I'm actually quite, and we haven't really talked about him much, but I'm excited to see what Hayden Hurst can bring to the party because yeah. I think he is a pretty much direct replacement for CJ, or at least the kind of tight end that they look for. Uh, and CJ was a good, solid, all-round tight end. And Hayden Hurst has the chance to be that. In fact, he could even be, you know, he could even be more productive because he's a better receiving tight end, I think, than CJ. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to see. And, of course, the, the, the rookies and Joseph Asai coming back. There's a lot to be positive about this team, I think. For sure, for sure. And I, one thing, I, one thing I believe that we've got to do going into this season as fans is be patient. I think obviously everyone wants to go to back to the Super Bowl. That's the aim. We've got a taste for it now. You know, it's we've got that taste of blood of this. You know what success mm. really feels like. It's all well and good getting to the playoffs and having an extra game to watch, but 
that run we went on last year is it makes you a bit thirsty, doesn't it? Because oh, yeah, that yeah, that yeah. just completely changed the goalposts of what we perceive to be a you know a successful season. And you look back in the past, the Bengals website waxing lyrical about you know oh you know this many winning seasons in a row and this many playoff appearances and blah blah blah. But the, the reality is is that you get to the Super Bowl and you get that national attention spotlight the the bright lights of the super bowl and you just think wow like this is incredible mm. you know this mm. is just i want more of this it has to happen and it's gonna be very difficult to get back there and I, we can't we can't just expect the bengals and the bengals got a bloody good team we really have you look at the roster you, you made some great points there about the, the free agent signings we've picked up we've virtually lost no one I mean, you know bath cj a couple of people here and there but nothing significant we're a bloody good team but we ain't just going to roll out the blocks and go 10 and 1 or 14 and 2 you've got to be realistic that we might we might win 10 games you know then that that's say only 10 games because most times you'd snap your hand off for 10 games mm. but i just think all we've got to do is focus on getting to the playoffs that's just got to be the only thing that you can think about any Thoughts of going six and zero in the division, slapping the Ravens about again, taking down the Chiefs, or you know, on prime time or whatever, whatever games like that might come up. I wouldn't be thinking about that. I just think one step at a time. And if we do have a bit of a ropey start and we're four and three or three and four, it's just looking a bit, you know, oh, you know, a couple of hard games because it's a hard schedule. I mean, mm. you forget that. We look mm. we look back at that schedule five, six episodes ago and you go through that and you think, cool, blimey, there's some serious games in there against some bloody good teams. And I think you, I just urge patience for the fans. I, don't, I just think we've got to avoid getting getting on the players' backs, getting on Zach Taylor's back in particular if there's some play calls we don't agree with or some clock management that perhaps wasn't perfect. Because you've got to, at this point, trust the process. The geezer got us to the Super Bowl. He, he was fantastic last year. And it, the players and him deserve that patience and time to get things right. Because an NFL season is a long season. The team that wins the Super Bowl doesn't just light up the regular season and you know look unstoppable some teams just come from nowhere a bit like we did last year mm. just down the stretch got a bit hot got a bit naughty and then took control when it mattered in the playoffs so i think that's one thing i would urge before you know you look back last year a couple of games into the season four or five games in zach taylor was one of the favorites to get canned yeah, you know if you yeah, if you'd yeah. If you tried to get odds on him to be coach of the season, he'd have been in the hundreds, if not thousands, because he, everyone was just thinking, well, he's done. He's had two crap seasons. The, the Bengals don't look much better. They look a bit all over the place. And and look what happens. So I think we've got to give the boys a chance. And they might not need a chance. They might just come out of the blocks and be fantastic. But if they don't, which is completely possible, I just urge patience and caution. Yeah, because when you look back, as you just mentioned, it was, a, it was an inconsistent start to the season. And then it was only really after the bye week, the last five weeks, where, we yeah, were still exactly. in the shot, and then we somehow, amazingly, thrillingly, uh, absolutely went on a tear, and it was brilliant. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, you would expect the team now. I would, I would say actually, you know, I think it's a fan's right to have a bit of a moan. That's what fans do, don't True. they? You know, and, True. I mean, True. we we always for this podcast, I think, always try to be as objective as possible. But you know, it is it is a fan's prerogative to have a bit of a go. That's True. kind of half the fun of it, really. To be honest with you, um, however, I wouldn't. You know, I would say that. To get back to the playoffs this year, I think we need to try and get back to that level if we possibly can 
of the last five games. We we can't afford to be as inconsistent. But you know we are going to lose games because as you say it's it's a tough schedule. Those games, some of those games are going to be on an absolute knife edge, aren't they? And they could go either way. Uh, but I think we're in with a shot. I do think uh, we're in with a shot. So, I mean, I can't wait, really. But first things first, the summer. The summer. Enjoy the summer. Um, and um, like last week, because there's not that much news, we've created our own again. Uh, so let's go back over to our favourite uh, uh, football journalist Barry Bullshit to see what he's got for us this week. My name's Barry Bullshit and welcome to the follow through. Joe Burrow has been turning heads once again during OTAs after a microwave oven was spotted on a seat outside his locker. He reportedly told reporters, You can cook things in two minutes, so it reminds me of playing the Ravens. In related news, what do you call Kenny Pickett greeting his friends at a distance? A microwave. It's been reported that three of the Bengals' projected starting offensive linemen were rushed to the hospital last week after they ingested glass following, quote, a miscommunication with coaches. All three are said to be stable, but doctors do say they have a bunch of shit still in their necks. Over in the UK, the Queen celebrated the 70th anniversary of her coronation this week. Bengals punter Kevin Huber delighted reporters by showing them photographs of the event held in 1953, where he attended as a guest during his rookie season. The Queen also received congratulations from former Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis, who said in a telegram, quote, I take my hat off to you. I honestly didn't think anybody could stay at the same job working with a dysfunctional family for as long as I did. Former Bengals superstar receiver Chad Johnson was in Paris this week to watch the Champions League final between Liverpool and Real Madrid. After the game, Johnson reportedly went to dinner with his partner and was offered snails at a local gourmet restaurant. Quote, child please, Johnson said, I only eat fast food. Former Bengal quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has announced his retirement this week after playing for nine clubs during a career that spanned 16 years. The much-traveled signal caller was asked why he had never played for the Steelers, and he replied, quote, I know people call me Fitzmagic, but even I don't have the powers to make Pittsburgh a good team again. In other news, it's been reported that Ben Roethlisberger has been spending time in New York since announcing his retirement. He is said to have made a point of visiting his favorite landmark, the Statue of Liberty. You know, it's amazing that something so massive, without the ability to move, managed to stick around for so long, said the statue. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> 
Former Bengals legend Andrew Whitworth announced this week his intention to retire as a Ram. We here at the follow-through managed to speak to the Ram in question, who was not aware of Whitworth's bizarre body swap proposal. And finally, this week, reigning NFL MVP and Vitamins Can Cure Everything advocate Aaron Rodgers has revealed new details about his off-season cleanse. Rodgers, famed for his use of alternative therapies to flush out toxins from his body, says that he now uses Cincinnati chili to help empty his system. He told the follow-through that a helping of the Queen City staple causes the same sort of substance to come out of his ass that previously only came out of his mouth. <laughs> Thanks and see you next week. I'm Barry Bullshit and this was the follow-through. we go that's another edition of the follow through expect to hear barry again uh, throughout the summer and um apologies to the brown family and to aaron rogers it's satire it's jokes it's not serious it's not serious before you start writing letters to us um okay um it's exciting we've got a good team but you mentioned areas of improvement nathan um What's the biggest one you're going to be? What's the position? What's the position group that you're going to be keeping an eye on and, and hoping for uh, an upgrade? I, I guess the obvious one is is uh, offensive line. Um, what about others? What are you looking at specifically? Something that's not been talked about too much, and it's not an obvious one by any means, is the wide receiver room. You've got three elite players, but probably the best three some wide receiver group in the league but nothing behind it you're trenton irwin's trenton taylor trent taylor's um mike thomas etc you've obviously lost alden tate that worries me a bit we didn't draft a receiver I, you know if, if those three guys are healthy and they play 17 games or the best part of 17 games i think you're fine and you'll, you won't notice it too much but i am a little bit worried behind that because guys do go down and if you were heaven forbid to lose one of the big boys like your T Higgins or your Jamar Chases I think you'd look quite thin because you know Tyler Boyd's not a speedster neither really I mean T Higgins has got some pace and he's a you know very good receiver but I just think if you were to lose one of those guys all of a sudden you might just look at it and say more I don't know and in the past you had Alden Tate and he was someone that you kind of felt like could make a big play, you know, not necessarily consistent. And he certainly didn't have the speed, but I am just slightly concerned perhaps that that's an area that, you know, I'd feel a lot more confident if we had like a fourth round pick that was going to try and sort of step up that had a bit of potential about him, maybe a third round pick or a free agent perhaps that had been around the league and could come in and potentially do, you know, be good for sort of five, 600 yards if you needed him to be. So I, it'd probably be okay, but it, it just very sneakily could become a problem if we, you know, if you were to be unfortunate and a few guys were to get some knocks. 
Do you know what? Uh, we had our first watch party of the summer on Sunday night, and it was the Raiders game, the wildcard game against the Raiders. And um, it's interesting, the first time I had watched that back since the live broadcast back in January. And a uh, good game, closer than perhaps it should have been, because I really did think we were going to run away with that game. But, you know, fair play to the Raiders. Yeah. They put the squeeze on a bit in the second half, and... We stalled a bit, and then he got close, and then he got pretty nervy, and you know, yeah, Pratt stepped up right at the end. But interestingly, uh, Jamar Chase was brilliant, and I think uh, someone made the point that God, he, he was being used quite, uh, uh, you know, that he was quite versatile in the way he was being used, quite Debo in the way that he was, you know, they were giving him sweeps, they were, you know, he was in the slot, he was on the outside, he was doing everything, and. Uh, and T. Higgins is really quiet during that game. Now, I know he had a good Super Bowl. Um, so did Chase, you know. Um, I would I would like to see T. step up a little bit because I do think I love him. I think he's great and uh, I think he's a terrific receiver. Um, I know he was injured for a bit of for half of last season, you would say, and still played. Um, some games he didn't seem at his best and sometimes he's not, not quite physical enough when he right at the end of the route to where he catches the ball. I, I'd like him to see, a bit, see him a little bit more physical, I think. And um, I think there's more to come with T. Higgins. I, think, um, I hope so. I think everyone loves him. I, am, I do too. Great guy. Perfect fit for the Bengals. Loves being a Bengal. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's great. And you, want, you, you love him for all those things. And he's a really good player as well. I think there are a few things that he can improve on as well, and I do think he could, he could do something. You know, he could get up to. I don't know whether he's the type of chase sort of player, but I think he's he's still a, a very good player. And um, I don't think he has that top end speed that Chase has got. I think no. Chase has got that literal like, you know, what's the famous saying? The Gus Johnson one: "Get away for the cop speed." But I don't yeah. think that. Um, yeah, I really don't think that Higgins necessarily has that. Got great body control, very long limb guy, but um, you just need him to stick up another thousand opposite chase, don't you? If you if he could put up similar, maybe just slightly, you know, twelve, eleven, twelve hundred yards and six, seven touchdowns on top of that, yeah, you'd be very happy. You, I yeah, think. and if he replicated his numbers last year, that would be fantastic. And uh, I just think there's a bit more to come for him. I do, I really do. Um, what are you saying about three receivers over a thousand yards next year? There's no reason why not. There really isn't. Um, it's going to be difficult, but you remember you got the extra game with 17 games, like in 16 game season, that'd be mm. very difficult. But the NFL is just such an offense driven aerial attack league, isn't it? They're, you just think that Joe Boy is only going to take a step forward if he's healthy. He's only going to have surely more time and feel a bit more comfortable in that pocket with the three extra linemen that we've given him that are a clear step up mm -hmm. on what he had last season. So that's going to play into things. If you're the opposing cornerbacks, you've now got a guard, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Hayden Hurst, probably for an extra point you know, quarter of a second, half a second longer than you perhaps had to in the past, which going at the speed they're going is very, very challenging. So you'd like to think Joe Boy could build on what he had, which would mean they would obviously build on their totals. So very, very possible. Um, I'd like to see Joe Mixon get some more uh, balls out of the backfield, you know, get him more involved in the passing game, which potentially mm -hmm. could eat into their numbers. But 
I think it's I think if again it comes down to if they can stay healthy you know it yeah. requires, if they're all going to get over a thousand yards they've all got to be healthy for the majority of the season to even have a chance but good god I mean it, that's where it's really really fucking exciting is if you could keep more healthy for 17 games you've got that better line the offense could be an absolute nuclear weapon yeah. I mean it was very good at times last year but this was Joe Boy coming off of half a rookie season playing like that with a pretty awful offensive line. You give the geezer a, you know, now he's got a year and a half's experience, an absolute, you know, fantastic set of weapons around him, pro bowl talent across the board. I mean, it is very exciting if it was to come it together, is. you know. You're very exciting. If you if you're Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, I mean, you've got a lot of options here, haven't you, in terms of what you can do and how you can work things and Oof, yeah, it's getting me a bit pumped up even just thinking about it, Sam. Yeah, and and uh, in among all the negative stuff from the US national media, Dan Orlovsky uh, has rated the Bengals' skill positions, not including quarterback, just purely wide receiver, running back, tight end, as number one in the NFL. So people do think that people out there, respected people out there, do, do think that the Bengals, like you say, uh, have a really... Uh, well, they did last year, really, let's face it. But the other thing that I noticed against the Raiders is how much we sort of struggled a little bit in the red zone. And uh, I think we need to improve that. But you know what? You know, we've got uh, Kwame Lasseter, the undrafted free agent receiver, uh, working his socks off in OTAs. He's been turning heads, uh, apparently, six foot guy. So- it's a solid handle as well. Exactly. Kwa- Kwa- Kwame Lasseter. Kwame Lasseter, yeah. So that's a name to watch when uh, training camp comes around. A lot of people tipping him to 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 make a real push for the for the roster. Uh, and, of course, that'll be the next step where we, and not just us, but lots of other people will be predicting their final rosters, you know. So that will, all that fun stuff is to come. Speaking of, of wide receivers, did you see that... Uh, did you see that story about uh, Chris Henry Jr.? I did. Very heartwarming. And I tell you what, not only does he look a lot like Chris Henry, he looks like an absolute athlete, the geezer. Mm, I mean, that mm. video of him doing um, the 40-yard dash or just whatever sort of sprint it was, running a route, I mean, he looks he looks like a very long, very quick, very explosive young man, just like his dad. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's such a nice story. And I, I, I'm sure he's going to get a fantastic college offer and you know sign with a good team and it would be amazing to see him in the NFL one day wouldn't it mm, absolutely if, if you don't know Chris uh, Henry uh, we obviously talk about him on social media sometimes we pay tribute to him uh, from time to time he was one of those players that you really wanted to do well he was um, drafted by the Bengals in 2005 was part of the trio of receivers of Chad and TJ Hushmanzada and he was a really uh, exciting guy, great number three receiver. We're talking about number three receivers, he was great, really long, really six foot four. I was going to say he was very tall guy, was but he? also very pretty tall. skinny as well, and quite yeah, really yeah, like yeah, real yeah. sort of sprinter speed. And speak to anyone, they they really did think he was going to make it, but alas, he had real troubles off the field, and it was, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs with Chris, and sadly. And tragically, he passed away in 2009. However, his son, Chris Jr., was actually adopted by Adam Pacman Jones. And uh, uh, what an amazing thing he did. And he's been, you know, under his wing, 
And now, you know, there was bits of footage released, as you say, on social media last week. And just look at him do like 40-yard sprints from not seeing his face. He looked exactly, I mean, exactly, physically just like his dad. It was really uncanny. And um, I think he was working out for Ohio State, wasn't he? And he's received a bunch of offers. So... um, I think most Bengals fans will will you know be keeping an eye on Chris Junior and just wishing wishing him the best. Uh, amazing to see, really. Yeah, I'd tell you, wouldn't it be interesting growing up with uh, Adam Pacman Jones looking after you? <laughs> yeah, 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 not, yeah. Not, an exciting not, household to be a part of, wouldn't it? I mean, with all due respect to Adam, not necessarily the uh, you know the, the the first person you think of as a father figure, but. <laughs> Um, by all accounts, he's doing a, an outstanding job, and what a gesture to start with by, well, exactly, by adopting. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, hats off to Adam there. Um, right, shall we bring in our special guest? Go on, Sam. And now joining us, I'm particularly pleased about this because this is a journalist uh, I really rate and have read for many years, and uh, I've always wanted him to be on the podcast, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him and his family when I went to Cincinnati in 2017. Um, it's Paul Doherty, the Inquirer columnist, the award-winning Inquirer co- columnist. I couldn't be more delighted to have him on. Paul, welcome to Cincinnati. No, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, you've been to London before, haven't you? You came uh, the first time the Bengals uh, visited here in 2016, I believe. Um, yeah. could, could you have imagined... But way back in the 80s, when you went to Cincinnati for the first time, that you would see such a thing? Uh, no, no, in a word. No, nor did I imagine that when I, uh, the first year I arrived in Cincinnati, that the Bengals would go to the Super Bowl and, and that they wouldn't be back for what, whatever it was, uh, 34 years. So, yeah, I, I guess you. One thing with this franchise, it's kind of impossible to predict. Some franchises uh, seem to have their kind of futures mapped out for them, but with the Bengals, it's it's always a roller coaster, isn't it? Well, you, you never know. It seems to have it seemed to have straightened itself out over the past few years, uh, and they, they they seem finally to uh, have a pretty good grasp on on how to be successful in the league. And I think you've got um, at least a couple years worth of window right now with, with a signed and, and healthy Joe Burrow and a very good football team to, to really make this uh, the next couple of years memorable. So I guess you're going out on a high almost. I mean, I get this is a question that a lot of journalists ask sports men and women uh, when they decide to call their careers a day. Um, did you, was there a moment, was there a feeling, what, what was it that kind of made you think, right, this is it for me. I'm ready for, for the next chapter in my life. Um, there wasn't, there was no, uh, I had no great epiphany about, you know, this is, I mean, I, I I've seen what's happened to people in the past. I, I had a, a good friend, a great writer, a guy named John Shulian. And I distinctly remember in 1984 at the Final Four, which is the, the men's bas- college basketball tournament here, uh, John Shulian, himself a, a uh, 
very accomplished writer, went on to write in Hollywood for TV, chasing uh, a Georgetown University basketball player down a hall in the Kingdome in Seattle on deadline and and having a 19-year-old blow him off on deadline and and him saying uh, a couple days later to me, you know, I'm I'm really too old to to have uh, someone who's 19 years old and hasn't seen as much of the world as I have tell me he has no time to talk to me. Um, I didn't have any great uh, moment like that. It's just a feeling. I, I, my, my, both of my parents passed a couple of years ago. Um, I, I want to be able to do things with my life that I haven't done yet that while I'm still physically able, uh, I'm fortunate the inquiry has been good to me and, and I've written some books. So we've got some money saved up, right? Always important. Um, and I, I think it's just time for, for somebody else to burden the, the, the reading public with his or her opinions. And I'm, uh, I'm 64 and a half and, and that just seems like a good time. Um, it's has any, uh, by the way, has any kind of youngster blown you off, so to speak uh, in the past, there was none of that going on people. I mean, cause of course you write columns. So you elicit extreme opinions people agree with you people disagree with you you ask difficult questions you're quite critical of the organization but also you pray i think you've always been firm but fair that, that that's a that's the right to say isn't it i well i try to be um i i don't i like to say i don't have agendas i don't i don't have a set of voodoo dolls with with bengal helmet little bengal's helmets on them right i i I, I, I take what the defense gives me. Uh, I, I don't create the reality. I reflect it. The easiest way to shut me up or get me to write nice things is, is to do well on the field. That should be fairly obvious, but uh, that, that doesn't always happen. Have you fallen out with any players in, in the past who have taken umbrage with what you've written? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had <clears> – and <throat> this is going way back um, – Lewis Billups was a cornerback for the Bengals in the late 80s. He, he was actually the man on the Super Bowl team in, in 1988 who allowed the game-winning touchdown pass to John Taylor from Joe Montana, if, if you recall. But anyway, uh, Lewis was a bit different, and I wrote something at one point that he didn't like, and he said, if you ever write another word about me, I'll kill you. And I took him at his word. I never wrote another word about Lewis Phillips and, and uh, Lewis had a gun collection. So uh, someone who has a gun collection who tells me he wouldn't mind shooting me, uh, I, I tend to pay attention to. But over the years, people have been very nice. I mean, the players, <clears throat> I think as long as they think you're fair, as long as you show up in the locker room or after games, um, after you've criticized them, they, they respect that. So for the most part, other than – Lewis Phillips and occasionally Sam White way back in the day. I've gotten along pretty well with Bengal players and, and coaches. Well, I, talk to me about Sam because I, I wanted to compare the the two Super Bowl appearances, or at least the the fervor around those two. Uh, I started supporting the Bengals in '86, believe it or not. So I, again, it was a great time to start supporting the team because uh, they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years later with that with that fantastic team under Sam. Um, what was what was that time like as a as a young journalist in the city? Um, I mean, very exciting. Uh, that, like I said, that was my first year here. 
1988, and it was after the strike, the year after the strike year, where Boomer Esiason <clears throat> laid down in front of the bus with the uh, replacement players in it. Um, they were four and eleven. It was disastrous. Nobody saw '88 coming the way that it did. It was just kind of a magical year um, where everything really fell into place. Not not unlike this year, mm. although with Joe Burrow. And this offense and the skill players that they had, you could see that this team was on its way. The 88 team, you didn't really know. Um, this team, you, you could look at and say, you know, maybe in a couple of years, the surprise was how quickly it came uh, for this team. In 88, the surprise was that it came at all. Mm. You mentioned Sam. Uh, you, you could be an abrasive character. He was an idol of, to me as as a fan, you, he's the kind of guy that you would run through a wall through. As a journalist, how give us a Sam White story. How 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 did you get him? I, I often wrote that uh, Sam White tried to coach the world. He wasn't content with uh, coaching the football team. Sam would do things like go on national TV to talk about whether women should be allowed in the locker room. Uh, he showed up. Uh, after a game in, in the Los Angeles Coliseum that same year when there was the controversy about a female reporter in the locker room wearing uh, a poster which featured a person in a loincloth. Um, he used to drive Mike Brown crazy. Mike Brown, all Mike Brown wanted was to Sam to, to coach the football team. Um, but on the other hand, Sam was – Part, part of who he was was a very caring, giving, concerned man. I mean, he, he did a lot of great things around town. He raised money everywhere for everything. He never said no to a charitable appearance. Very visible in town. Uh, cared about doing the right things in town. He was just a little bit eccentric. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a specific that everybody will remember. And the one that's most obvious is is when he got on the microphone at Riverfront Stadium and, and told the crowd to to settle down. They were booing and, and getting a little bit outrageous, and I forget even why it was. This was in 1988. He said, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati, which <laughs> endeared him forever to Cincinnatians and, and made him uh, public enemy number one in Cleveland. Uh, and a lot of what he said was true, as a matter of fact. You don't live in Cleveland. You do live in Cincinnati. <laughs> um, but Sam, like I said, uh, was kind of the unfootball coach in that he spread his wings uh, fairly broadly and, and really did on occasion wanted to uh, want to coach the world, not just the football team. Now, when you moved to the Inquirer, it was more or less the start of what I call not for your career. <laughs> let's just make it. You know, you, you moved along to the biggest newspaper in the in the city, and you must have been delighted. But in terms of the football team, the Mordor years, as I like to call it, uh, the nineties. Um, for those people listening, you don't really understand what happened in the nineties, and I still go back and think, hold on a minute, I see highlights of Carl Pickens and Jeff Blake and Darnay Scott and John Copeland and all these guys. They're good players. And Willie Anderson coming in at the end of the decade. Why did it? Why did the malaise, the awfulness last for so long? And I can't explain it. Can you? Sure. They never had a great quarterback. You, you, you cited Jeff Blake. Jeff Blake had a moment. Mm. Jeff Blake was a comet. 
They never uh, they they drafted two quarterbacks in the '90s. Both of them were busts: Achilles Smith and David Klingler. Mm. Um, neither one could play. And and the funny thing, or not funny, but the the interesting thing was when both were drafted, you had lots of people saying just that. It's very hard when drafting as high as they did most of those years to completely whiff on two quarterbacks. I mean, as you know, quarterback is the most studied position in the game. It's the most important position in the game. Mm. The fact that the Bengals blew two picks at that position speaks volumes. They had no scouting staff. Uh, Mike Brown liked to think you could scout football on television. They had facilities that were awful. They, they had a reputation where nobody, e- even if they tried to find free agent players to come here, those guys would never want to come unless it was their only option. Um, Dave Shula was their coach. Uh, uh, thought of by everybody when he was selected to be uh, completely unfit for the job, as it turned out to be. I mean, they they couldn't have done anything worse through the 90s, which, which I call the lost decade, mm. um, still do, uh, than, than they did. They, they were poorly run, uh, understaffed, and, and had a stench about them that discouraged any any talented player with an option from coming here. Well, let's, let's bring it up to the present day. Uh, it's not an easy segue, I think, going from the lost decade to the present day. The stench has turned into some very perfumed, delightful fragrance. The Bengals are kind of everyone's favourite second team now. A, a core of incredible, young, exciting talent. Um, it must have been crazy in the city earlier on this year. It was certainly crazy over here. And of course, now it's it's more of a global fan base than just a just a you know just a local fan base. But in the city itself, I guess it was it. It must have been comparable to eighty eighty nine, right? Um, I've always said that, and I've been here long enough. I think I can say this: Cincinnati has always been looked upon as a baseball town. The uh, first major league professional team was in Cincinnati. Uh, the big red machine, everybody knows. Uh, they won the World Series in 1990 by beating a team that was expected to beat them. And they <clears> did <throat> four straight and went wire to wire in first place in the regular season. So it's a baseball town. Uh, I, I, I've always disagreed with that. And I, I still do. It's a football town when the football team is good. Nothing brings Cincinnati together like the Bengals do. And, and, Back to your point, that happened again this year. Uh, I mean, it, it, anything you wrote about the Bengals would, would, would blow up on social media, would, would, get, would get the most page views, the most hits. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow spotted drinking a beer at, at Jack's Tavern. You know, an hour into it, you had 30,000 page views, right? I, that's just the way it was. Um, like, like I said, 88 was, was different because it was, was not as expected. Uh, this was expected that the Bengals would be better this year, just not this good this fast. And before I, before I forget, this was no instant success. I, I think maybe forgotten, lost a little bit in all this is the role that, um, that Marvin Lewis played. I mean, Marvin Lewis was here, I believe, 16 years. Mm. 
Marvin Lewis was the one who finally moved the Mike Brown boulder, something that nobody ever thought could be done. Uh, Marvin was able to change Mike to the extent that, look, listen to me on occasion. Let me call some shots. Uh, we, we can turn this organization around. And to Mike's credit, he, he did. Uh, he didn't give Marvin as much freedom as Marvin would have liked, but any freedom was a lot compared to, to, to what previous coaches had. Uh, and Marvin did one hell of a job uh, turning this franchise around and, and making what happened last year possible. Uh, so you're right. Marvin had this Sisyphean task of pushing that boulder up the hill and, and kind of moving out of the way because, you know, there's no doubt that Mike cares about the team and his club and his city and all the rest of it. But uh, I guess, you know, that we could talk about for hours about the, the power dynamics between <laughs> inside the Bengals. Um, but what did you see when you get this new, young, fresh faced coach who preaches culture all the time, sometimes to the scepticism of some fans, me included. Um, I mean, he's, he's done a remarkable job, really, when you think about it. And when he talks about culture, um, we now know what it means. Just seeing the camaraderie and the togetherness of that locker room uh, last year was just incredible. It was, and, and I was one of the skeptics. Uh, it's, it's easy to be skeptical when a guy stands up after games when his, when his team is on its way to 2-14 and 14 or whatever they were. Uh, yeah, it's the culture. No, you don't have the players. You know, a chicken and egg thing. Is it, it, does the culture come first or the players with the, you know? Um, and I, I admit I, I, I was wrong. Uh, he would uh, Zach Taylor would come out, come up after every game his first year and talk about how we're changing the culture. And I'm, I see it and it's growing and this this thing's going to turn around and it's going to be really good really quickly. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of shaking my head and looking at yet another loss. But he was right. He was right. They were they were able. And again, the, the, the things have changed to an extent where Mike Brown isn't calling the daily shots. Mike still makes the big decisions, um, but he's not he's not handling the day to day that has fallen to his daughter and, and, and son in law. And they, they, they made changes and allowed people who, who know these things to, to work, to do their jobs. And, and they brought in veterans with, with, with good attitudes from winning programs whose, who, whose personalities have rubbed off on the younger guys. And Joe Burrow is central to everything because he's completely on board and has been from day one with, with what Zach Taylor wanted to do. Uh, and, and it all came together amazingly quickly, like we've said, and culture has been a big part of it. If you had told me even five years ago that really good players with options would want to play for the Bengals, I'd have said, well, uh, I'm not seeing that yet. I'm not saying that it can't be done. I would, I would have said that in 1990 through that decade, but I'm not seeing it yet. But they've gotten to the point where, yeah, players want to come play here. Uh, Cincinnati, if you can believe it, is suddenly like the sexy place to go if you're a player or, or among them. And that was all Zach Taylor's vision. And good for him. It's, it's turned out, at least for now. Mm. Well, uh, Paul, you, you leave the Inquirer with the Bengals in a pretty healthy 
uh, spot, I must say. And uh, but I just wanted to ask you a few quick questions. Not quite the hot seat uh, on Beyond the Strikes, but just a few quick fire questions, if, if you'll indulge me. Um, any personal highlights in terms of the Bengals over your career? Any any real memories that stick in your in your brain, calcified on your brain there? Um, and you know, and in, in terms of the games, not necessarily. I uh, literally, I can't remember who they beat last week, let alone, you know, five. <laughs> Some guys are really amazing with that. So, yeah, remember back in, in 2006 when this was, I said, no, I, I don't. Um, I think some of the relationships I, I've, I've cultivated um, that I, I will cherish, um, one being with Boomer Esiason. Uh, I thought the, the five-game run that he had when he came back to the Bengals, remember he, he, he took over for 97, Jeff Blake. 97, I think that was, wasn't it? Yeah, he yeah. took over for Jeff Blake, and, and Boomer had a son, Gunner, at the time, very, very young with cystic fibrosis, and mm. Boomer played those five games for his son, and, and the Bengals went from not being good at all to winning four of their last five games that year. And then Mike Brown decided that Boomer should go to Monday Night Football instead of sticking around, and so so much for that. But uh, that was special. I, I still have a good relationship with Boomer to this day. Um, believe it or not, the the, the uh, what would have been a, what could be a friendship if I'm not working with Mike Brown himself. Well, I was going to ask you what you you are fairly critical. I think again, firm but fair with Mike Brown and. You know, you've had 30 years, you've seen the ups and the downs with Mike. What is your relationship with Mike like himself? It's always been good. Mm. Um, uh, I've always been amazed and appreciated uh, the fact that Mike gets it. He, he knows what I do. And he knows that if, if they don't play well, I'm not going to be very nice. Um, and he's never not spoken with me. We've never had words uh, he, he might say occasionally, you know, what about this or what about that? But ne never confrontational. I, I think Mike is the only guy in, in all my years here who's intimidated me and not by his, you know, his brute strength. He's not going to rip my head off and spit down my neck. His intelligence, you know, he, he's a chess player. He's always one move ahead of you. Um but he, he, he's, he's a witty guy. He's funny, believe it or not. He's very smart. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I've had the chance to get to know him over the years. So I, I don't remember individual games very much. Like I said, I, I remember the, uh, the 2015 Pittsburgh game, the playoff game. I, I'll never forget that. I'll never see anything like that again. Never saw anything like it before. Mm. How they lost that game uh, is just probably the most amazing thing I've ever seen in sports. And I remember the 88 game because it was my first year. I remember Paul Brown doing the icky shuffle at a, at a press conference in Miami in front of the world's journalists um, and Stanley Wilson the night before the game um, doing cocaine and disappearing Um so yeah, I, I, I'm 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 grateful for the for the people I've met and, and the friendships I've been able to to cultivate more than just the, the the on field stuff. And do you have a favorite player? Because of course you you, you wrote a book with Chad, didn't you? You I did. Um, 
does Chad uh, is would Chad be up there as your favourite player in terms of people and what they did on the marriage of a person and the, what they did on the field? Um, no, I, I mean I like Chad, and I'm glad that we did the book and 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 Chad has certainly made a nice life for himself given what he grew up with. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I don't know. I mean, how do you say that without sounding like a complete jerk? I like Chad, but when you ask me who's who's in the top couple of guys that that I've met, uh, Bengals that I've met and, and had friendships with, um, uh, Reggie Williams is is top of the list. Uh, the the courage that that he has displayed since his retirement, overcoming his physical problems, is as inspirational a story as I've ever I've ever encountered. Mm. Not not just written about, uh, heard about. Um, mm. Reggie's up there. Um, Boomer, of course. Uh, Chris Collinsworth. Uh, these are all the older guys when I first got here. Um, mm. Those guys. Those guys are definitely the top of the list. Uh, Anthony Munoz is a friend, and and I admire Anthony greatly that he has stuck around here and the the difference that he has made in so many lives of children in this community. Um, these are all very good people as well as very good football players. Mm. Uh, what's next, Paul? Uh, you're closing this chapter, a remarkable career. Uh, you know, you've written books already, including one incredible book called uh, An Uncomplicated Life, excuse me, which chronicles you and your family's, uh, I guess, uh, journey um, uh, after your daughter who I had the pleasure of meeting, Gillian, uh, who was born with Down syndrome, the family's journey to understanding and, 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 and adjusting, I guess that's the best way to describe it. Um, so have you got plans to write more books on your family, with your family? Um, what, what is next for you, Paul? Um, in, in the immediate future, next is, is being the best damn cart barn boy at a golf course I can be. That's my new career. I, I've already started. I got a flying start and um, I know how to clean carts out now and gas them up and get them ready. And I get, okay. uh, I get free golf and uh, I make $10 an hour. Uh, but seriously, I, I don't have any writing projects at the moment. I'd love one. Uh, my agent knows I'm retiring. Um, so we'll, we'll see what comes up. But right now, um, after 34 years of being here and a, a 42-year career, I, I, I wouldn't mind just taking some time and catching my breath and, and essentially doing a lot of only what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And if a book project comes up, um, yeah, great. I, I jump right back in. I, I will still be doing some things for the Inquirer. I have a sweetheart deal with the newspaper where I will still get to cover the Masters next year um, after I've retired. I mean, I asked them only to, to credential me, get me in, and I'd work for free. I love the Masters that much. Uh, and it turned out that uh, I'm not only going to be able to do that, but they're going to be able to pay me a little bit as well. So uh, the writing will continue just on a very limited basis. And, and book, sure, if you know anybody that needs a book written about them, let me know. <laughs> Paul, that's a great way to end it. Thank you so much for the time. So glad we we managed to to get you on before um, you closed the Inquirer chapter and the chapter on the Bengals. 
Thanks so much for all the words. Thank you for making me think. Thank you for making me disagree with you. Thank you for making me agree with you, which every good columnist should do, I think. So listen, I do send my best to your family. And uh, I personally wish you very well for the future. Well, Paul, thank you for having me on the show. And if you ever come back this way, please let me know. We'll, we'll sit down and, and have a few beers. Well, you better keep uh, this autumn free. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, all right, brother. Thank you all very right. much. Thank you so much. You bet. There we go. That was uh, Paul Doherty from the Cincinnati Enquirer. Not long for the Cincinnati Enquirer. And interesting things about the 90s. Interesting about uh, things about uh, players who wanted to kill him. And um, but interesting as well, and fair play to to Paul. There. He he really did pay tribute to Marvin Lewis. Um, uh, Poor Marvin for his part in the whole Bengals Renaissance. You know, from two thousand three onwards, he did he did really um, did really help to turn this franchise around. And again, we were, we were going back right to start this podcast, saying how hard it is to get to the playoffs, and that's the one thing you should be concentrating on and winning your division I mean Marvin did it for five years in a row that's I mean when you do look back at that it's it becomes quite an achievement I think and Paul was bang on to to uh to give Marvin a lot of credit there 100 percent, and you, you get a team to the playoff five times I don't want to use the word luck too much because it gets battered around very easily but so many of those games that the Bengals were in um, in the playoffs they could easily have won there were some terrible injuries in some games there was other games where you know we had the Steelers in that game at fourth down playing with a backup quarterback and could have easily one play one drop and you go through and you know you remember Marvin Lewis very very differently God, God knows he could still be the head coach here now which I'm not sure how anyone wants to accept that but yeah, a great guy. And I, I fully agree with Paul and yourself. He, he did do an incredible job of turning this team around, making them a fully relevant quality team to watch and be a fan of throughout the um, the sort of 2000s through to you know, the 2010s um, as well. So full credit to Marv. I, I absolutely love him. And he'd be a dream guest if we ever did get him on this podcast one day. Well, we'll, we'll keep trying and we'll keep trying. Right, some announcements as we promised uh, as we head into the summer. Uh, we are going on the road a little bit. Um, first things first, we have a summer party and we, Bengals UK, finally, at last, about bloody time, we're going to Scotland. We are going to Edinburgh on Saturday, July the 9th from 4 o'clock till 10 o'clock um, in the evening, obviously not in the morning, although I'm sure that will... The option is there for any, any revellers that want to carry on the party. Saturday, July the 9th at the Belfield Tap Room. Belfield Brewery is a fantastic little brewery in Edinburgh. Um, and uh, we've got a large portion of the tap room and we're going to have booze. There's going to be some food. We've got some cornhole going on. We're working on a few other things. A very special guest we're working on. Uh, so... Specifically, this is for all our Scottish uh, followers and Scottish Bengals fans who who kind of you know struggle to get to meetups, and anyone in the extreme north of England who struggle to get to meetups. It's important that uh, we are Bengals UK after all, so it's important that we try and get out and about and uh, share the love 
and uh, I'm I'm really uh, thrilled and I'm I'm super excited to be going back up to Edinburgh again. So do come and join us Saturday, July the 9th at the Belfield Tap Room attached to the Belfield Brewery. If you want to go and have a look at uh, the Belfield Brewery, go on to Instagram and check them out. They are well, at quite easy really. Belfield Brewery, all one word, B E L L F I E L D Brewery. And check them out. Uh, they do produce some um, amazing beers, and they uh, they will be serving us those amazing beers on Saturday, July the ninth. So do come along if you are in Scotland. Bring well whoever you want, really. Let's make it a right old knees up and celebrate our fandom of the Bengals. I'm really looking forward to that. I think I think you're missing a career in radio advertising, so that was a fantastic <laughs> advert. Belfield Brewery should pay you to have that little jingle <laughs> knocking about on Scottish radio. Well, there we go. Um, I don't know, maybe it is. You know, I'm struggling for work at the moment, so if anyone wants to hit me up for any voiceover ad work, then I will be fine uh, <laughs> for that job. Um, we're also planning uh, a meet-up. It's very close to being confirmed. Um, can I say this? No, I will say that we're planning a meetup. Uh, we're sort of dotting the I's and crossing the T's on this at the moment uh, for the first game of the season against the Steelers. It won't be in London once again. We're going to be going out on the road, um, uh, but that will uh, be announced in due course. Another thing to keep an eye on our social feeds this week. Uh, we, uh, I think, yeah, we have dotted the I's, but we've just got to cross a, a few T's left um our trip to cincinnati uh, in conjunction with uh touchdown trips that will be confirmed by the end of this week this is uh, tuesday the 7th of june uh we're hoping to um confirm that trip by the end of the week and uh, uh that'll be obviously in the autumn and uh i know the interest was really really high so hopefully it fits in with with your you got you, you know listeners out there schedules and budgets we've tried to keep it as uh, as affordable as possible uh while also trying to give you as much bang for your buck as possible um so do uh keep an eye out at the end of the week uh on our twitter feed at hooday underscore uk bengals uk on facebook and uh, no doubt there'll be something on Instagram, Bengals underscore UK on that, I think. Um, so lots of things going on. Meet up in Scotland, Saturday, July the 9th. Do come along. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, a meet up week one to watch the Steelers game together in a place that isn't London. And, uh, of course, uh, the trip to Cincinnati organised by Touchdown Trip. So... Uh, lots of fun things to happen. And, of course, there will be a London meetup, as per usual, in the autumn as well. Uh, that's to be announced. So, again, lots of things happening. How exciting. You can talk now, Nathan. I'm tired. I absolutely am buzzing for this, son. I'm buzzing for the new season. I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'll tell you what as well. Big shout-out to the Cincinnati Chili Bar. I'm sure that a lot of fans will, in London for ad hoc games will be popping down there if Tim's got the game on. So I'm sure that'll be something to look forward to as well. But 
very exciting, isn't it? And it's great to see the Bengals UK community go from one strength to another, to be doing trips out to Cincinnati with touchdown trips and, you know, various meetups across the UK. I mean, it's a fantastic, um, fantastic initiative. And thank you so much, Sam, for all your work and your hard work in getting things um, sorted out and to all those other members of the Bengals UK community that help out as well. Absolutely, here, here, and uh, well, it's the, it's a great time to be a Bengals fan. So if you can't organise meetups and get people out and have fun, the COVID situation obviously isn't as, as crazy. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not as virulent as as you know as virulent. As, yeah, you know, like uh, that potent. You know what I mean? Like, well, like virulent. Like the virus isn't. Uh, it doesn't seem to be as as awful as it used to be. Um, so why not? And everyone wants to be a Bengals fan, or at least everyone wants to, you know, the Bengals fans that are Bengals fans want to shout loud and proud. So if you can't do it now, when can you do it? Let's face it. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, right, Nathan and I are going to hold hands and skip down the road heading towards the sunset and enjoy uh, a little break. Um, any big plans for the summer, Nathan? I've got a wedding in Lithuania. I'm off to Vancouver. Oh, congratulations. Day, which, not my own wedding, but a uh, <laughs> friend's wedding. Um, and then, yeah, after Vancouver and Seattle, which will be quite nice. That's Do next week. You're America. going next week. You're off to I am. That would be quite West nice. West Coast sojourn. That would be lovely. A bit, of a bit of a West Coast jaunt. Yeah, I've got a friend who lives out there, which would be quite nice. And I always, August is one my one month of the year where I hibernate at home, enjoy the British sun, don't go anywhere, avoid the, the crowds of the children off school. So... But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and also, August is that where you get something a little bit exciting, doesn't it? And there's some preseason games. Preseason games, games that's right. Fantasy football draft starts happening. So I'm very much looking forward to that. The, you know, the, the soccer comes back. Uh, I have to say soccer on the podcast, don't I? But, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you about... don't. But yeah, you can do. You can do. <laughs> what about yourself, son? You got any, any violent plans? Any well, I'm gonna as I say I'm gonna be listening to cricket mostly. I think, and if there's any sun, I'm gonna be sat out in uh, in the sun. And then, obviously, I'm gonna go to Edinburgh. And uh, like yeah, you, yeah. like you, I'm gonna go out for a few, you know, a few days here and there to the coast uh, in in the UK and uh, dip my bits into the cold water <laughs> of That's a great thought to end on exactly exactly but no you know i'll just do summary things i'm hoping for a few nights out in london town with you so uh stand by for that um so yeah i'll just be doing summary things but of course you know we're only having a couple of weeks off uh we'll be back at probably about around the start of july when training camp starts and uh but as i say do uh, do, 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 do. Uh, sorry, I wanted to sing Agadu there, but I, I shan't. Um, do keep uh, an eye on our social feeds. Um, certainly in the next week or so, um, there will be details and confirmation of uh, touchdown trips. Trip to Cincinnati in the autumn. Um, so that's if you registered your interest with those guys. Uh, something will be coming very soon, uh, which is very exciting for those of you who really want to go, who've never been to Cincy before, never seen a game in Cincinnati, never been to the city, never experienced uh, the whole vibe of Paul Brown Stadium. Um, it's coming, and uh, hopefully uh, you will retain your interest, and we may see you over there. 
Well, Nathan, uh, have a good couple of weeks off. Enjoy your trip to the West Coast and uh, I will be enjoying my trip to, well, I don't know really, the local pub, I suppose. Um, But yes, we'll see you soon, Nathan. And listeners, we'll see you soon as well. Well, not see you, we'll speak to you soon, I should say. This is a podcast, not uh, some sort of weird video thing. Uh, Anyway, I'll shut up before I carry on uh, rambling. Uh, It's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.